Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tiger Athletics. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hanson, and lead digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. Welcome back to Go Tigers 247's Tigers in 20. I am your host, Kenny Stubblefield, and we have an awesome surprise for everybody. I know, I know. I'm excited. I know he's excited, and I know all the fans are excited too. But we've got Brooks Hansen back on the podcast. Brooks, what's up, man? It's been a minute. It's been a minute, dude. What's your ti- What's your title again? You didn't say your title. Oh, well, listen, I'm the lead digital content creator. That's my title. Okay, I like that. <laughs> you are the founder. Brooks is the founder. Brooks has um, not been able to be a part of the podcast for the last couple of months, but we are excited. To have him back on um we got a lot to talk about you know obviously since the last time uh brooks joined us a lot's been going on with the basketball team lots been going on with the football team as well but um obviously the the, the basketball season is is starting up the tigers had their first exhibition game last night against lemoyne owen college um an hbcu here in memphis they won i think it was 105 to 57 so they had a 48 point win um you know, obviously, I think everybody knew it was going to be uh, an outmatched situation for Lemoyne Owen. Um, but there's a lot we learned, I think, from last night. There's a lot that we can dive into. So, um, Brooks, I'd like to, before we get started on last night, man, like you've been involved with everything going on on at Go Tigers 247, obviously, with the coverage of the basketball team. Um, we haven't heard from you in a while about. 
um, what your thoughts are. But, man, where what are you thinking? What are your thoughts um, about the basketball team this year? Are you as excited as everybody else is? Yeah, man. Um, life has been crazy for me. I've been coaching uh, three separate teams. I've been coaching my nine, nine-year-old, well, now 10-year-old's 9U flag team, my six-year-old 7U flag football team, and my – seven-year-olds uh 6u i mean my six-year-olds 6u baseball team uh so it's been rather busy for me and uh so i've let you and christian kind of take the reins on the podcast but it's good to be back and um the first thing i want to say watching behind the scenes being involved and seeing the development of this roster as it played out and now that it's all the way together the the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to and that that was cemented with last night's game uh, is just how in the world is Penny Hardaway going to figure out which eight players he wants right. to go with as a primary rotation? I mean, there's just – that is – that it to me, that's the number one storyline. You have the n- number two overall player in the country – from the 2022 class, or I guess he was number, yeah, he's number two, sitting out. <laughs> and they still absolutely dominated and demolished the Moyne Owen. And let me say this before we get into the LOC game too much, it's an exhibition game. Right. Let's not get too excited. I know they look great, I know the stats are just eye popping, but let's remember this is an exhibition game with a brand-new head coach for LeMoyne Owen uh, in Bonzi Wells, they should have demolished this team. Um, but still, e- even with that said, you have, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players play over 17 minutes, 17 minutes or more, and you're missing Jonathan Lawson, who by all accounts has been tremendous in the preseason and you know some of the expectation from what I'm hearing is that he could make an actual like legitimate impact for Memphis and then you're missing Imani Bates and you're missing a redshirt junior in Chandler Lawson who could fill in in the post uh, when you have DeAndre Williams in foul trouble or uh, you know I guess he could even play forget Let's not forget you're missing your leading scorer from last year, too, and Landers Nolly. He didn't play last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll get to that one. Uh, I, You know, I, I do think that Landers is in a different situation because he's expected to be kind of a returner who, you know, f- continues to build upon his success last year. I, however, on the other hand, don't see it that way, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um. So first controversial take, uh, returning to the podcast, I guess. But I mean, overall, watching this thing play out, you see so many guys that we knew because we got to know them, because we followed their recruitment, because we knew from talking to the people close to them, the people that had you know been involved in their development, the coaches that had had put eyes on them dozens of times you're starting to see those guys come in and make the impact that we knew that they could make that that they necessarily weren't given the hype for 
For example, John Camden, all preseason, all reports from practices, uh, from you know team workouts, from skill development sessions, is that John Camden is going to make a bigger impact for Memphis than anyone expected on the outside. Um, he's a dog on defense, plays with a high motor, is shooting the ball at a high clip. And guess what? Last night he came out in 21 minutes, had 10 points, three three rebounds, shot three of four from deep. Um, and a couple of them were tough, contested shots. Kid's long. He's a playmaker uh, because of how smart he is. Uh, and he, I mean, I don't know if you watched it, Kenny. One of the big things that I saw, especially in the second half when he was trying to get other guys involved, is he's really good for a guy that's 6'8", 215, at initiating the break from that like perimeter forward position. And he's always head and eyes up, head and eyes up. Um, so he's a lot more skilled than people would give him credit for uh, on the initial eye test. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I love seeing because I think we saw, we saw it coming. Me, you, Christian, even the Memphis coaching staff saw it coming. They knew what they were getting in John Camden. But you see him now on the floor, and you're like, man, this guy, he can actually play. Um, so that's just behind the scenes. That's what I was looking forward to coming into last night, and I got a good glimpse of what I wanted to see. I mean, you hear it with Penny. Um, in the last couple of press conferences that he's done, he talks about the rotation and he talks about he talked about the fact that you know to be a team that that wants to reach the goals that they want to reach, you can't go above the the top nine nine or ten players in terms of rotation. And he said it numerous times. Uh, he even said it last night after the um, after the after the game. He said there are kids that are going to have their their feelings hurt by the decisions that we have to make in terms of the rotation. And the reason he's saying it that way is because the kids that are going to be ended up the kids that are going to end up being left out aren't being left out because they're not good enough. It's just the the numbers, the numbers game. Like him knowing we need 10 players to make this work. That number 11, number 12 could probably play and and do as well as the top 10 players that are going to actually be in the rotation. Um, guys like Jonathan Lawson, guys like John Camden, guys like Sam Anu, guys like, you know, th those guys are guys that if they were to get extended minutes would actually probably do really, really well. Um, but it's just the layout of the team right now. Um, I, I I agree with you, Brooks. Every, th every time I've seen John in the preseason, I've been – more and more impressed with what he can do out there. And um and I think I told you privately a few times, John is John will absolutely make an impact on this team if given the time. Um if given the opportunity. Will that happen this year? I don't know. But you saw it last night. The kid can play ball and um the, he if given the chance, he will make an impact for this team this year. Well, so all of that brings us to a really good place to just break down some of the things that we, we saw from last night, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the preseason hype for, for last night 
is what it is. And I think everybody, that's been rehashed as much as possible. So for me, some of the things that I took from it is a reaffirmation that Penny Hardaway's number one issue this year will not be talent. It will not be system. It will not be his offense. It will absolutely be what players he plays and getting that rotation down, you know, determining and really getting to that point relatively quickly. He doesn't have time to waste in getting to that place. You know, Memphis's non-conference schedule ramps up pretty quickly. So they've got to figure out what guys they want to go with, which ones are working based upon what they're seeing in practice and just stick with it. It's going to be a thing where, um, you know, Malcolm Dandridge was great last night. You know, he had 17 minutes, 18 points, six rebounds, two assists. He was plus 31. But do I think Malcolm Dandridge is going to be one of the key rotational players? No, I do not. And and here's why. Malcolm Dandridge, in his, in his time in a Memphis jersey, you've seen it. You've seen great Malcolm Dandridge one game, and then you see piss poor Malcolm Dandridge the next game. That's just calling it what it is. And I love Malcolm Dandridge as a, as a, you know, as a young man, he's a great kid. Um, there's, there's no knock on him as an individual, his, his effort and his buy-in, um, is up and down. And so the results that you see from him on the court are up and down. And last night you got good Malcolm, so do you start to see Malcolm develop in, into that player that can give you consistent effort, minutes, and production? Maybe. That's to be determined, though. Based upon what I know of him as a player, though, I don't expect that. So I would automatically say it's Lemoyne Owen. Remember that. And don't jump to any massive conclusions. Uh, what is that, office space? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the jump to conclusions, Matt. Um, don't don't fall into that jump to conclusions, Matt. Game with Malcolm Dandridge. Uh, I think he could be a fine rotational player at the back end of the bench in situations where they need uh, more physical presence uh, at the the four, the five, and you have DeAndre or Jalen in foul trouble or somebody gets injured. Knock on wood. So. You'll start to see decisions like that with players like Malcolm Dandridge. Uh, Tyler Harris played 15 minutes. He was he was actually really good. Um, you know, had seven assists, distributed, take, took very limited shots. But I think, again, you'll see him fall back towards the end of that 10-plus depth spot on the lineup chart. I think Jaden Hardaway, again, great. Played almost 15 minutes. 12 points, uh, one assist. He was in the positive on the plus minus. Again, I think you'll see him slip down to the 10 plus spot on the depth chart. You add Imani Bates into the mix. You add Jonathan Lawson into the mix. And you've got pretty much your top 10 set there, right? You've got DeAndre Williams one. And this is not in order of depth. I'm just adding a number so that way we can keep count. Jalen Duran two, Alex Lomax three, Amani Bates four, Lester Quinones five, Earl Timberlake six, Josh Monat seven, uh, John Camden eight, uh, 
let's see, Jonathan Lawson, nine, and then Landers Nolly. Landers Nolly, 10. Chandler Lawson, 11, on the outside looking in. You know, Chandler Lawson's the type of kid who's going to have to come in and prove it in practice. And until we see it on the court, I think he'll fall in that same category of Tyler Harris, Jaden Hardaway, Malcolm Dandridge on that back end where they could go and play Division One ball somewhere else and make an impact. But on this team, with the depth that they have, with the talent that they have, they're just not going to be that this year, you know? And so that brings me to to my point of, like, Landers and Ollie. And I, I, I wish the best for him. But some of the off-the-court things that I know about, I'm not going to go into them here. Some of the kind of... Uh, I guess you could say the extracurricular on the court stuff that you you hear about. You you start to wonder if the juice is worth the squeeze. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying, Kenny, but you have to, you know, in cost-benefit analysis, you have to determine is my effort for this going to to pay out with the the maximum amount of juice that I want. You know, is it going to give me the end benefit? So if I squeeze this lemon, is is the juice worth the squeeze? Is it, a, is it a dry lemon or is it a, you know, nice juicy lemon? Well, to me, knowing all of the things that I know about Landers and Ollie, off the court, on the court, the things that come with him, do I think that Virginia Tech was right in kind of souring the grapes, you know, when he left and kind of, saying some of the things that they did behind the scenes, it's possible. And I think Memphis' staff, that they're starting to see some of that. Um, you know, Penny Hardaway, after last night's win over Lemoyne Owens in that exhibition game, he spoke to kind of some of that without necessarily throwing Landers fully under the bus. Um, he he hinted at some of that, and, and Landers set out last night because of off-the-court disciplinary issues. Landers is also a high-volume shooter. He is sometimes on, which is when you get the great version of Landers Nolly, and when he's off, he provides very little else. Uh, he, is, he is one of your biggest defensive liabilities. He's consistently missing defensive assignments and rotations. He's not a tremendous rebounder at his size, um, and he's not necessarily like a, uh, a glue guy. You know, he's not a team chemistry guy. I'm sure y'all have all seen the, uh, you know, Landers Nolly who who gets in his head and starts chirping at his own teammates on the court. As someone who coaches youth sports, that is a cancer. It spreads. It is contagious, and you have to nip it in the buds. And, and just, this is not something that I've heard, but just me reading the tea leaves, I would not be shocked to see Landers Nolly's role you know, continue to diminish slowly but surely. That's just me. I could be wrong. I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. Well, you know, I've had the chance to be around the team a couple of times um, in the preseason. Um, see, seen them at the pro day. See, I saw them at the um, rebounders um, uh, first practice. And I will say that I agree with you on, on everything that you're saying in terms of like last year and what we saw on the court. Um, even some of the off the court stuff that <clears throat> that is that we know about, um, 
one of the things that I would say that was a pleasant surprise was during in, in the times that I've seen him um, this this preseason, there definitely seems to be a change in attitude in terms of on the court stuff. Now, obviously, I don't see him off the court, but on the court in terms of interactions with his teammates, interactions with the coaching staff, there definitely seems to be a a different um, mentality, personality um, this year. All that to say, we only get to see him for maybe an hour each. I've seen him maybe two hours during the preseason. So they've had a ton more time with him, um, you know, Obviously, the staff knows him better than anybody in the media um, knows him. Um, if again, it's another example of if if there is anybody that can, um, you know, right that ship and get it get it right because you are right. Like, man, when Penny was talking about Landers yesterday in the post game, it definitely there definitely was seemed to be more there than what he was saying. Um, and, uh, you know, you got to respect the fact he's not going to, you know, say anything super negative about him in a post-game press conference. But right. um, if they can get him right, Landers will be a productive player for this team. I just hope they can because he's a he's a, a, a fantastic player, um, you know, and obviously led the team in scoring last year. So, um, you know, you, you talk about cancers and you talk about, you know, cancers for teams and things like that. And that's this, that is something that is absolutely needs to be dealt with now. Um, if that's the case and if it doesn't, then, then it, or if there's not a willing to change and become a, a, a an asset to the team instead of a, a cancer, um, as you put it, um, then obviously we'll see a diminishing role for, for Landers. But I mean, that's the thing about this te- team. They're so deep. That if you want to be an issue, yeah, <laughs> you sit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, and, you saw it, man. You saw it. You're right, a thousand percent. They are so deep that if 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 you're not all in, if you haven't bought in to still a, a, a Ryan Silverfield phrase, if you're not all in, then man, it is not going to hurt this team for you to not have a role if you're not willing to yeah. buy in. I mean, people will will probably like vomit in their mouths a little bit. Uh, Whenever I say this, but John Calipari had a great quote. He goes, "The bench is my big, biggest ad, um, uh, my biggest weapon. You know, it's it's my biggest friend. If someone's not doing their job, I can I'm so deep that I can sit somebody on the bench." Uh, Earl Timberlake last night had seven turnovers. You could really start to see it get in his head um, late in the game when he, you know, he made a couple of back to back errors where he just wasn't on the same page with his teammates. And he you could tell he was just starting to really melt down. And Penny set him on the bench and just – he didn't go talk to him. He just said, go sit. You know, that's that's the thing that, that Penny can do with this team. And that's the, the plus of what he has not had in the past. You know, in the past, when you have one of your star players that's not necessarily in the right headspace and you have to sit them, you come off the bench with somebody like a Jaden Hardaway instead of your your number one shooting guard. And no offense to Jaden at all. Jaden is a very skilled player. And as you, you saw last night, like he I said, he's he's one of those players he could transfer. 
and make an impact at some level of Division I basketball. He is a Division I basketball player. And he has worked very hard to not only continue to develop his body, but his overall skill set. He's probably the most skilled player on the entire team. And I, I do not make that statement lightly. But, or, you know, you look at the point guard position. You you don't have your number one point guard, you know, in the right head space. And two years ago, you're coming off the bench with Tyler Harris. Um, and no offense to Tyler, he's a, a very solid player and he can make an impact at some level of Division One basketball. But this year, if Earl Timberlake is not performing, you come off the bench with Landers Nolly or Josh Minot or John Camden. Um, and I think as you'll see, all of those guys provide a high level of value to where the only reason they're not on the floor is not that they cannot play at that level. It's just that there are guys that are just a, a level above them. You know, Amani Bates isn't at the, the level that he needs to be in a game. You bring in, you know, John Camden or, you know, one of those guys at that position who very well should be playing this year if it weren't for having the number former number one player in the country ahead of them. Uh, as a good friend of the show likes to say, there's levels to this. Um, and just because you're not Amani Bates doesn't mean that you're not a top-tier Division One player, even as a freshman. So the thing I saw last night right away, absurd depth, and the bench is your friend. That's that's going to be two of the biggest things that Penny Hardaway needs to take with him this year. Well, I'll say this, man. I, you know, I was – I walked away from last night's game, and, you know, we talked about Malcolm a few minutes ago. And, um, obviously, if, if things stay the same as they have the last couple of years with Malcolm, um, and you do have those – moments of good Malcolm and then moments of unengaged Malcolm, um, then I think that, that you'll definitely see Malcolm fall down that, that the, the depth chart in terms of the roster. What I liked about last night was even, even when mistakes were made, um, Malcolm held onto the rope the entire time. Um, and I know it was against Lemoyne Owen. Uh, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to over, over analyze last night's game as an indicator for how things are going to go this year. But I would say that what I appreciated and what I was happy about for Malcolm is that when Malcolm is engaged, there's a lot that he can do on the court that uh, that we've seen since the time he was in high school. You, you know, there was he made a couple of incredibly um, skilled. Um, plays at the rim um, on defense. Uh, There's a few times where LeMoyne had a fast break and Malcolm was the only person back and he raced down the court um, and contested at the rim. Um, obviously made a, a, some really nice moves under the basket, had a couple of um, dunk attempts that were were nice, but there were some things that he did specifically on defense that I thought were really impressive. Um, he rebounded the ball really well. Um, and then the second thing is you, you talked earlier about John Camden being a fast break starter. Malcolm has that, has that skill too. And, and the thing for me that has been the case, there's been 
two things that has held him back from being from fulfilling that potential that we saw in high school and that I think most um, analysts and fans thought that they would be able to f- see as well. Two things held him back. Number one is his body, I think, was breaking down on him, obviously coming into his freshman year um, with a major reconstructive knee surgery. Um, and then obviously last year, I don't think he was in good shape at all. I think he wasn't, I think he was injured and I think he just wasn't in shape. Um, and then the second thing is, is that there are times where he absolutely disengages on the court. Totally checks out. And, and that is as a, (laughs) if I were coaching, that would be, if I could say anything to Malcolm, it would be, if you stay engaged, you will make a difference. If you stay engaged, if you do not let up, if you just continue to work and fight and play at your at the highest level that you can, um, energy level, not even talking about ability level, energy level, if you play hard, you will make a difference. I, I'll, hey, Kenny, I'll take it a step further. If Malcolm Dandridge plays hard all the time, he buys in 100%. He will play basketball and make money one day. I completely agree. He's got the skill level to do it. So, you know, there is there is a premium on talented, skilled big men, no matter what level you play, no matter what Division One, NBA, high school, whatever. If you're a big man that plays hard, you are absolutely going to get time. And so I see if if Malcolm stays engaged – if Malcolm plays the way that he played last night, if he can continue that um, process, I think he's a part of that rotation um, because there are going to be times. One of the things we know about um, DeAndre, man, is that he is a um, a ball of fire out there on the on the court, and he'll get himself into foul trouble in games. Um, Jalen Duran can't do it all himself, so you're looking at at needing a a backup five, even a backup four that that can be effective. And if Malcolm can stay engaged, he could be that guy. Well, here here's the thing I want to warn you about, Kenny. This is all without Amani Bates in the lineup. And and let's just let's just look at it from Penny Hardaway's comments. I know coming into the season we all said Penny Hardaway wants to play Amani at the one. And I do think that he will see time there. But Alex Lomax was really good last night. If you have healthy Alex yes. Lomax, you have so many shooters that you don't need Alex Lomax to be a 40% three-point shooter. You just don't. And so you you put Alex Lomax at, at point guard, and all of a sudden, Imani Bates slides to the two. Well, what does that do to the two? That right. slides Lester to the three. <clears throat> Lester to the right. three pushes who to the four. Well, nobody right now. What you have is you have DeAndre <laughs> at the four. Nope. So you push out one of the three, the twos or the threes to the bench. And you have DeAndre at the four. And then you have Jalen Duran at the five, right? Just like the starting lineup, except for you had Malcolm starting. So who went to the bench? If Amani Bates is in the lineup, Malcolm Dandridge, right? Right. So right. all of a sudden he gets squeezed out of that picture 
And instead of playing 20 minutes each between DeAndre and Jalen, you have 28 minutes each. And then instead of going to, you know, a a Malcolm and Jalen lineup, you have DeAndre Williams at the five and maybe a, you know, a Josh Minot at the four. Right. And because you've got to get Josh Minot in the game. He's just too good. He's too skilled. He's too good. Yeah. And you talk about, okay, well, John Camden has to be slid into that three, four spot too. So now all of a sudden, all of those big long forwards get squeezed into, you know, you've got two positions. That's 80 minutes a game, right? They now have to fit into that three and four spot because Amani's taking up one of the guard spots and it pushes some of your essential foundational players like Lester Quinones into that two slash three role instead of a two, like solely a two. So, and I, I do think that Malcolm, like I said before, I do think he'll play. It will be in situational moments, though. Right. <clears throat> it's interesting, man. Like the emergence of Josh Minot um, on this team, and 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 you saw it last night in the role that he was playing um, with uh, out there against Lemoyne Owen. Um. One of the one of the plays that, or one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of years is we've talked a lot about the Tigers' offense and and their need for a that that playmaker type role that that um, moves to the that kind of runs the cutters' offense that moves to the uh, free throw line and can facilitate the ball, get the ball to you know. A lot of times last year you saw DeAndre would get the ball on the top of the key or at the wing. He pass it to um to Lester and and then and then cut and Lester would make a move and 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 do something. Lester is Lester was good at that because Lester's just good at basketball. Like he could he could fulfill that role. What I think the emergence of Josh Minot in this roster is going to do is move Lester out of that position back to his more natural shooting in the corner kind of um uh, facilitator role on the wing because Josh Minot can play that role. He can be that guy at the four, at the three. He can be that guy. His ability to see the court is impressive for a kid his size and at his age. Um, he is so talented. And I think, I honestly, like, I think we know what we're going to get from Amani. I think we know what we're going to get from Lester. We know what we're going to get from Jalen. We know what we're going to get from Alex Lomax. I think that Josh Minot playing the way that I think he can is going to be what sets this team apart. What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. And I think you see in the actual box score, Penny Hardaway is a Defensive-minded coach first, number one. And you see Penny Hardaway's core returning guys, DeAndre Williams, four steals. Alex Lomax, four steals. Lester Quinones, three steals. Guess who the only other person close to them was in that, in that ledger on the box score? Josh Minot, three steals. Everybody else, one or zero. And I think that his skill set combined with his length 
and versatility on the defensive end is going to make it impossible for him to keep off the floor. One, because he is a problem defensively. He can switch and still be able to guard defenders, create deflections. He's so long. Even though he'll tell you he's like 6'6 or 6'7, he's more like 6'10, 6'11. He is a massive individual to be as skilled as he is. He is a, you know, a true, you know, guard in a forward's body. And he's skilled enough to be able to play that spot that Lester has been playing and also be able to get to the rim off of that flex playmaker spot at that, you know, that wing, that mid post wing area and the high post. But he's also, he is a guard. He has tremendous court vision. That's one of the things that we talked about from the first time that we set eyes on Josh Minot when, when you and I went to Atlanta to watch him play with team Parsons. Um, He's just tremendous. It, It is, he's got very, very unique passing ability and court vision. So being able to put him out there and not only know that you're going to get what you want out of him defensively, but that you've got an unselfish, smart player who can get his points if he needs to, but who's going to get others involved. He's invaluable for the type of offense that this team wants to run. I was impressed last night with the team as a whole in the way that they moved the ball and the way that they facilitated with uh, to, with each other. Um, when you're playing against a subpar opponent, especially in your first real game action, they're, they're, I expected, in all honesty, I expected to see um, a lot of one-on-one, a lot of just overwhelming physical abilities, overwhelming the defense of LeMoyne Owen. And you, you saw that to a degree, but a lot of it was a lot of the plays that were made, a lot of the really good shots, a lot of the, 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 the things that as I've, I'm watching the film again is the ball was moving extremely well last night. And, um, that is a, that is a good sign, man, because like that, that is the, in terms of the talent, in terms of the size, in terms of the ability, if, they're able to then incorporate the offense that Penny Hardaway, Larry Brown, Cody Toppert, Rashid Wallace have implemented into this team, the culture that they've built with the offense in particular, they're going to be really difficult to stop. Like at, at any level, at any team, that the, against any team that they play, if they can move the ball and facilitate the ball to, towards each other well – Man, I'm telling you, they're going to be really difficult to stop. They assisted on almost 74% of their made baskets. 31 assists on 42 made field goals. That's absurd. That's absurd. Um, now, in in there, though, you do have to look at it and say, okay, the 22 turnovers, not good. Not good. Now, seven of those were from Earl Timberlake, three from Tyler Harris. I think one uh, TD Jacobs had one. Uh, so you, you cut out the one from Tadarius Jacobs because of the garbage time and you cut out some of Earl's, you get him back on the floor. That's the other thing is like Earl Timberlake looked rusty. He did, but he still looked like he has a ton of potential as a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And I know Penny Hardaway sees that hence his comments leading up to last night's game about Earl 
being a possible solution at the point guard spot. He wouldn't say that he sees Earl Timberlake as a potential point guard if he didn't see Earl as someone who can have the ball in his hands and initiate, run the offense, and also distribute to teammates. So Earl, as rusty as he looked, he has an excuse. Give him some time. Let him get back into the flow. He needs to stay checked in mentally. But once you cut out those types of turnovers, you cut out Tyler Harris's turnovers just by sitting him. Um, and and let's just be honest, like even three turnovers, I'll take it. If if Tyler Harris is playing, if if he's got seven assists and three turnovers, I'll take it. You know, you got a two plus. And he took and he took he took two or three charges in the game. Yeah. So like you can like kind of count out those turnovers if you want because he stole the ball back on a possession. Right. So you know overall his plus minus was plus seven. So he was effective in the limited time that he saw. But I think you know again honestly you look at it you have right you have one two three four five six you have seven guys who were plus seventeen or over, and you know that's with John Camden at a plus twelve. You know, Sam, Sam Anu was plus 10. So you add those two guys and all of a sudden, and Jaden Hardaway, and you've got 10 guys above plus that are plus, plus 10. 10. And right. But you've got it's crazy. Earl, Lester, Alo, Jalen, Malcolm, and DeAndre all at plus 20 or above. So you that's that's what I'm saying is you start seeing that you can trim out those guys and Tyler Harris at a plus seven is fine. But if there's someone else giving you plus 31 and they're effective in the time and they're not gassed, you put them on the floor and you get even more effective minutes out of those guys. And that's why I think you'll see, you know, a Tyler Harris just limited minutes, you know, backup walk on style minutes. And it is what it is. He's a fine player. He's just not Amani Bates. Um, so let me ask I think you a overall, question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Let me ask no, you a shoot. question. Based on what you saw last night, based on Penny Hardaway's comments over the last couple of press conferences, if you had to, um, if there was a betting line and you had to put down a bet on at the beginning of the year against Tennessee Tech or Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, um, who will be the starting point guard? Will it be Alex, Alex Lomax? Will, will it be Alex Lomax? Alex and Amani will move to the two? Yep. I think you'll see a starting lineup of Alex Lomax, Amani Bates, Lester Quinones, DeAndre Williams, and Jalen Duran. So that's an awesome starting five. Um, this is a really, really good, effective starting five. I'm really glad you mentioned Alex a few minutes ago because um, I'm super intrigued by Alex this year. And I, me and you had a conversation last night about Alex on the phone and I, a lot of old school tiger fans are going to remember, um, one of my favorite and one of, I think Titan, the history of tiger basketball, one of their favorite players, um, is a guy named Antonio Burks, um, played for Memphis and from 2001 to 2004, um, and, if you remember when when uh, Antonio was playing for the team, um, the first two years he was a serviceable point guard. Um, was fast, good with the ball. Um, you know, shot the ball decently well. 
um, averaged five assists a game, did pretty well. And it was his senior year where all of a sudden there was a huge uptick in his production. Um, he went from averaging um, 9.7 points his junior year at Memphis to 16 points a game his senior year. I mean, that's a big jump, um, a six to seven point jump in one year averaging points is a pretty massive jump. I am intrigued by Alex for that reason um, right there because I see a lot of what I remember seeing in in Antonio Burks. I see a lot of Alex. Um, I see a lot of Antonio Burks and Alex and his trajectory. Um, Alex gets a lot of of negative feedback and 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 I get it to a degree. Um, there have been times where um, there he seems to be a liability on the court, um, but when he is playing well, when Alex Lomax is playing well, the team is a different team, and um, I, I I'm really interested to see what his senior year at Memphis is going to look like this year, and I'm expecting good things from him. Yeah, Kenny, don't get me wrong, I I love. Alex Lomax. And I don't think that Antonio Burke's comparison is horrible. Um, I I just don't think that they're similar in terms of trajectory. And here's why. Antonio Burks, one, had to score with that team. He had, you know, some some solid players around him. At, number one, Chris Massey. Chris Massey was a monster in the post, but Antonio Burks didn't have a ton of scoring around him. And one thing that some folks don't necessarily remember was that Antonio Burks was a prolific scorer in his junior and senior seasons, especially his senior. I think he averaged almost 17 points per game, if not more. Um, uh, I don't know. While he, had, he averaged 16 points a game. Yeah, I mean, he and his, his mid-range free throw line jumper was just yeah. straight up pure. Um, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. he was really, really good. Um, and not only that, but he he averaged close to three steals a game his senior season. Now, do I think Alo could could challenge that? Yes. But defensively, Antonio Burks shooting, you know, gaps and passing lanes, he was one of the the quickest and fastest guards that I've seen in a Memphis jersey. Other than maybe Joe Jackson end to end and Derrick Rose, I, I would put him third, and that, I mean, that's good company. Um, Antonio Burks end to end was just stupid fast, and, and I, I just, Alo has some potential to be that type of defender. I just don't think he's that type of scorer. Um, you know, he sh- Antonio Burks shot forty two percent from three his senior season. That's not Alo. And and the good thing is, and I said this to you before we started uh, recording, the good thing is you don't need Alo to be that kind of a, a scorer, you know, and that kind of a three point shooter. When you've got Lester Quinones going five of six from three, John Camden going three of four, and you don't even have one of your best shooters on the the floor from last season in, in uh, Landers and Ollie, you're going to be fine. And you don't have Amani Bates on the floor, you're going to be fine. Um, I think. I think Alex Lomax, the biggest thing from last year is 
early in last season, and he spoke to this a little bit in the media, but this is legitimate. Alex Lomax almost gave up basketball. He he almost quit. And when Alex Lomax was going through those struggles, trying to decide, do I love basketball? He recommitted himself, and you saw that commitment pay off down the stretch before his injury. Before his injury, Alex Lomax was tremendous for Memphis. And I think what you'll see is that version of Alex Lomax return, not the early, you know, early season Alex Lomax who was in kind of limbo, trying to decide, am I all in on this? Do I love this? Do I want to do this? And I think what you'll see is an Alex Lomax who returns, who is fully bought into his role, who is back committed to the game of basketball and playing his ass off for a coach that he loves. Um, and if you get that version of Alex Lomax, he will be your starting point guard. Now, he may not play 29, 30 minutes a game, but he will be your starting point guard. Yeah, I in terms of numbers, I'm not a big fan of putting expectations of numbers on players. And so the the Antonio Burks comparison was not about numbers. It was more so about impact. And more so about definitely a, a, a seems to be a um, a mindset shift, you know, kind of being all bought in and and knowing his role and being effective. There's Alex Lomax is effective in other ways than what Antonio Burks was effective because, like you said, the roster makeup of Antonio Burks' team compared to Alex's team. Um, okay, I feel you now. I, I could see that. And I think that's actually a very, very good point. Antonio Burks was a steadying force for that team. He was super consistent. Right. Always on. Um, you know, you could always depend on Antonio Burks. And if that's the comparison we're looking for, that's it. I think you'll see that Alex Lomax this year. That steadying force that you can always count on. Well, Brooks, we're about 48 minutes into this podcast. It has been awesome having you back. Is there anything else, man, like last last couple of minutes of this podcast, is there anything else that, that any insights that you have seen that you want to share? I know we do need to talk about football for a second, um, but um, what are your thoughts? Anything else that you want to add before we close this thing out? Yeah, let's just jump over to football. We've, we've uh, broken down an exhibition game about as much as we can. So with football, um, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that we uh, have the same feelings that many fans do in terms of how the season has gone for Memphis football so far. Um, it is disappointing because it, it is hard to generate a, a ton of great content a ton of positive content, which is what we love to do, and a ton of content that that garners the engagement of our subscribers. And this is very disappointing to say, uh, and I don't like saying it, but the reality for us is that we are a small news outlet. We do very big things. We do a ton of great work. And yes, I'm tooting our own horn. We consistently break news we're putting out new content every day on a very skeleton staff with a very skeleton budget but that that kind of lends itself to where when fans lose engagement when the season outlook is pretty poor 
and you have a team that's losing games that no one expected them to lose, you have to make a decision with your time. And as a media outlet, the reason I say this is that we've had people say, well, are we just not talking about football anymore? Are you guys not covering football? We've covered every football game. We, we continue to write the same articles we do. But I'll just tell you, if we do a podcast solely based on basketball and we publish it and it, you know, people are like this podcast, it will do extremely well. We'll get, you know, upwards of five digits of podcast plays. If we do a football only podcast and we label it as a football only podcast or we do a football only article, we're, we're lucky to get 500 fan engagements on it. And, and that's just not a good use of our time. So I say this to say it's, it's hard in a position like this because we do want to cover the football team. It's tough. We've been cut out of coverage in terms of every media outlet has been restricted from practices. Ryan Silverfield has cut media out. I get it. There's some level of distrust for the media and, um, you know, Ryan Silverfield does not feel like he's been treated fairly by the media. I get it, but it's hard to to write the positive things about Memphis football when you're not there at practice, seeing what's going on, being able to provide perspective on why things might be going the way they are. Yeah, Brooks, as a as the lead digital content creator for Go Tigers two four seven, I agree with you. You know, we have to be very judicious with our time, you know, kind of figuring out what, um, our fans, the people that pay our bills want to pay attention to. And, um, you know, unfortunately with the, the way that the football season has gone there, there definitely has been, you know, waning interest in, in over the last few weeks, but, you know, I'll say this, man, I've had the chance to cover the tiger football team for the going on the last three years. And, and I'll tell you, man, there is nothing, more enjoyable to me than Saturdays at the Liberty Bowl um, covering the football team. It is a blast. Um, we have a great time. The um, Everybody from the University of Memphis, the staff, the players, everybody is super gracious. And, um, you know, I really, really hope that the, the rest of this year ends well. Um, we're going to continue to cover. We're going to continue to be there. Obviously, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago that we're a skeleton crew and and that's true. Um, one of the things that that hinders us is the ability to travel. You know, we don't get to go to a lot of the home games. So when the Tigers play away games, you know, we cover it. We do what we can. Um, but when they're at home, um, Go Tigers 247 is represented at the Liberty Bowl. And so um, just continuing to hope and hope that the team is successful, that Ryan Silverfield is successful, that that, that um, the, the, the football team continues to push forward. Because, again, when the football team is successful, um, everything opens up for the athletic department. You know, football is just a massive, massive moneymaker for um, public schools like the University of Memphis. So, um, hey, man, with that, um, really glad that you were able to make it back onto the podcast. I'm looking forward to doing more with you. Um, and I know that with basketball season coming up, uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. So with that... Keep the website www.gotigers247 on lock on your web browsers. Um, every day there's new articles being published. There's message boards. You can join the VIP family where 
information is given that, that nobody else in the city knows. And so um, we communicate with each other. We have a good time. It's like a family over there. Also check out our YouTube page, Go Tigers 247 on YouTube. Um, constantly uploading content um, from games, from press conferences. You know, here at Go Tigers 247, we're going to take care of you. We got all the information for you. So please uh, check it out. Check everything out on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and the website. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcast. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, head over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. We will see you back here next week. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.